Um, I want to start with two stories. Um, one is, is one, one, the first story illustrates something that's way too normal that shouldn't be normal. And then the second story illustrates something that's abnormal that shouldn't be abnormal. And both of these stories are within, let's, let's say, within Christendom. That's a word I don't use often. Within Christianity, the first story is something that happens that's just far, that, that's normal, that shouldn't be. And the second story is something that's abnormal, and that shouldn't be as well. The first story involves Jake the drummer. Can we just give it up for Jake the drummer? If you guys know Colorado Life Church, listen to that. Half of you guys don't even know who he is. Some of you guys just know of him. Jake the drummer was here on opening day, which is like right now, seven, eight, is it seven or eight years ago? Eight years ago. Right now. Uh, eight years ago was opening day. Jan, you were there. Roy, you were there. Anybody else? Anybody else was there? Uh, Trevor was for sure there. Um, so, yeah, and so was Jake the drummer, which is not, maybe not that big of a deal, except for the fact that Jake the drummer at the time was an atheist. And we got him up on stage and got him drumming with us. And, and the way that that happened is the guy that, um, that was, was my, our, one of our first staff members, he was marrying Jake's sister, and he's like, hey, I need a drummer. I'm, I'm a guitar player. I'm the worship leader for this church. Will you come and play with us? And he's like, well, yeah, I'll play the drums anywhere, anytime, because he loved to play the drums, Jake the drummer. But um, he's like, but I'm an atheist. Is that all right? And, and Bill is basically like, um, I'm pretty sure that's why we're starting this church. So, yeah, come on in. Long story short, he, over, over time, Jake became more and more involved in what we were doing. And over the course of a couple of years, actually, while he was an atheist, came on to staff with us at the church. I literally was like, there was one day at staff meeting where we were like, okay, uh, make sure to tell Jake this. Because he got so involved with the worship music and stuff like that and like the team and, stu and stuff like that. We, we all had this long list of notes at the end of every staff meeting like, Hey, make sure to tell Jake this. And I was like, guys, this is ridiculous. So I went to the elders. I was like, hey, guys, I'm about to hire an atheist. Are you cool with that? And they're like, I guess. You know, like, like wait, I think so. We prayed about it. And we're like, I think we should do this. And the reason it worked was because Jake grew up in the church. He was aware of a lot of church things. And he was respectful of them. And at the same time, we were very aware of everything that Jake believed. And, in, and, and so it, it just kind of worked. And we were respectful of what he, you know, we would still pray. We didn't stop being Christians. We didn't ban prayer from, from staff meeting because there was an atheist there. I don't know what he did. He just kind of looked at the ceiling while we prayed. But he was there. And it was, it was meaningful for him to be with us. And it was meaningful for us to have him. So it just worked. So, so in, just in honor of Jake the drummer, I, just, I have a couple of quotes this, so so we, I found this quote board a couple weeks ago here at, at the church. I was like cleaning out a closet, and I was like, I found this quote board from like 27, 2018, 2017, 2018, and it had a bunch of quotes, including a ton from Jake the drummer. Um, but you know, you know back in the time, this is pre-COVID, when we all officed somewhere, like, like, and, and we had meetings and quote boards and stuff. And so, um, yeah, so this is from Jake the drummer. Two of them are from before he was a Christian, and then two of them were from after he became a Christian. He's, this is the first one. It says, literally, I have $7 to my name, and it's all in coins. 
Jake the drummer. See, the thing you need to know about Jake is before, about a year before he came to us in 2015, he was homeless and on the street for years and heavily in drugs. And it was a pretty, it, it started out really fun and it got dark over time. But he still had this kind of homeless feel to him, if you guys remember. Like he, he actually, don't tell the, the landlord here, he like lived here for a year and a half, slept on a couch right over there. Because he was like, I don't want to have rent. I don't want to have a home. It was like, he was, he's like, he's like I want to stay just one level above homeless. I don't want to be homeless, but I don't want to be homed. You know, like he, it was very important to him. So he's like, literally, I only have $7 to my name and it's all in coins. Here's the other one, and I'll explain the context here in a second. When someone slips you a 50 and you have $100 in your underwear, you ride off into the sunset, end quote, okay? This is from when Jake was on the street and he joined a cult just for kicks one day. He like, I had a hard day and somebody's like, hey, you want to come over here and hang out with us? He's like, sure. And it ended up being a cult that he was in for like six months and he couldn't get out of it. Like, it was one of those cults where they sent him out into the street to, like, beg for money. And if you couldn't come home till you had $200, okay, this is the, he's like, you know, like, a couple months into it, he's like, oh, no, what did I just do? And he's, like, looking actively for, to get out of it. So this is how he got out of it. He was able to keep $50 and, like, hide it from the people because they would, like, search you for money and make sure you weren't keeping it for I mean, this is crazy stuff, right? So he's like, when someone slips you a 50 and you've already got $100 in your underwear, you ride off into the sunset. See, that makes sense now, right? So this is, this is before he became a Christian. He shared these things. And then it was just, I, I remember we went to this conference. It was a church leadership conference. I remember calling him up and saying, listen, you know, I know you're an atheist and all, but you do, you do want to come to a church leadership conference. And he just started laughing. He's like, yeah, I'll go. Because he knew it would be good for the team and stuff like that. So he goes to the conference, and, uh, and, and he's like, uh, it, something happened at the conference, and, and it had nothing to do with us, nothing to do with what I said. It wasn't like, Josh, you know, that one thing that you preached that one day just really cut to my heart. I mean, he heard a ton of my preaching. He actually helped me with my preaching sometimes because I'd call him up, and I'd be like, hey, I know you're an atheist, but, like, you want to help me with my sermon? He's like, yeah, sure. You know, what if I, if I explain God this way? He's like, oh, you pastors, you're always da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I was like, okay, what if I said this? He's like, uh, I guess that's better. Okay, cool. The, the atheist says it's better, so I'd go with it then. And so um, we go to this conference, and we took communion at the conference, a church leadership conference. One night we're taking communion. And I noticed that Jake took communion which he never, ever did, because, again, he respected what we believed, even though he didn't believe it. And so he, I noticed he took communion. I was like, that's interesting. And I was extremely tired that night, so I went to bed, and then all of a sudden, um, at like at midnight, the door busts open, because he and I are sharing a hotel room. The door busts open. He's like, Josh, I accepted Jesus. We need to shave my head. I'm like, there's another, there's another, great, there's another great Jake the Drummer quote. Okay, I'm like, I'm like groggy. I'm so tired. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? I'm in a dream. Je Jake's talking about Jesus and wants to shave his head. And it's like, no, this isn't a dream. This is reality. And he had this long hair. And, and he, I didn't know this till this point, but he said, anytime something major in my life happens, I shave my head. Um, and so we shaved his head. And he became a Christian. And, and it was insane. Like, uh, he actually became a Christian. It wasn't just like, I was kind of waiting to see what this was like, right? 
these are quotes, these are two quotes from, from Jake after he became a Christian. And this is, this is like months after he became a Christian. I think the reason the universe is so big is because God got carried away. Isn't that a good one? This is all on that quote board. I love this thing. This, the second one is, dude, God is so faithful, it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> it's so good. Jake actually passed away last year. Many of you guys know that. Uh, he had a heart attack at age 32, and the Lord took him home. And he died faithful. He died, like, like we, we got to find his journal. He, he, my, uh, his sister and brother-in-law, I'm reading some of his journal entries. He was so close to Christ. Um, to the very end. So this is, I know this is the story that, that is, is something that is too normal that is, it shouldn't be. This is not actually what I'm part of. This is, I'm just telling you the background of Jake the drummer. That should be normal. It, it's not. That's actually, that's actually, this part of the story is abnormal, and it should be more normal. But, but the, the, the normal part, what's normal, is, is interaction that Jake and I had. This is like two months before he came to Christ. Again, I'm like, hey, there's this Young Life Banquet fundraiser. You want to come to that, right? And he's like, yep, I'll be there. Seven, when is it? Seven o'clock? Okay. So we go to this Young Life Banquet fundraiser. Young Life is a you know, Christian organization for youth, right? And um, we're you know, at these tables. And there, across the table, I don't even remember who this person was. I didn't know him before, and I don't remember who they are now. But the conversation started to flow, and it's this very Christian environment. And there's Jake, and there's Jess, and me, and you know, our staffs at this table. And um, somehow the, the, the conversation turns to atheists, okay? And keep in mind, Jake is, he be one at this moment, okay, you know? And, and I don't even, at this point in time, I'm so familiar with Jake in these type of situations. And listening to Jake's backstory of why he left the church is because of what's about to happen, and I'm actually kind of excited about this. I'm like, I'm kind of like looking at Jake like, oh, I'm like, like I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm waiting for the other foot to drop or something like that. I know this is going to go bad, and I'm dying to watch Jake's reaction to it. And sure enough, I mean, two minutes into the conversation, one of the guys at the table who's a Christian says this, well, you know, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian, dot, 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 dot. Which I, I confess, as I'm totally throwing this guy under the bus right now. I, don't, I have no clue. I don't remember who he is, legitimately. But I've said that myself. Years ago, be, years before I met Jake the drummer, it was far too normal for me as a Christian, and maybe even at the time a Christian pastor, to be like, to just say something stereotypically about a whole entire group of people you know, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. And, and I never got a chance to tell the guy, hey, listen, you're looking at an atheist right now. You're looking at an atheist right now. Do you still want to say that? Or do you want to take some of those words back in this moment? You know, because my guess is he would feel like he'd have a, a foot in his mouth. Why? Because it's not that simple of a statement. And Jake and I talked about this a lot. One of the reasons why he resisted Christianity for 15 years or 10 years was because of, of those blanket statements that just write a whole people group off. It's far too normal to just be like, you know, these people... And we do that every once in a while in, in the Christian world. We, we set up this, like, straw man argument about, 
the other, the other guys, them, and then go and blow it down and feel good about ourselves. And, and, and that's far too normal. It's kind of a bummer, isn't it? The second story is something that's abnormal that shouldn't be. I have a dear friend named Tony. And Tony is, is she's from, from Georgia, she's from the South, I'm from the North. The, she and I have, like, she's older, I'm, let's call me middle-aged, right? You know, I, I, I would have said younger, but I don't, yeah, I'm middle-aged. And, and I'm a Christian, she's not, she's a lesbian, I'm straight, she practices Reiki, which I didn't even know really what it was, but it's like this healing energy, it's an it's a Eastern Japanese, it's not really a religion, it's more of a philosophy, but it's very spiritual to her. She finds spiritual connection in things like crystals, the natural world, animals. We have these phenomenal conversations, and we have for years. Every time we're together, we just kind of pick up where we left off and dig right back into it. And it's really, really fun. We talk about, in fact, the, so the, the, the abnormal situation I want to share with you is one time she and I, it just been like this, this tender moment that she and I had had. And it's this totally appropriate relationship. Like, Christy, Christy knows that I'm friends with Tony, and like, yeah, it's, it's fine. But she, we're driving in my truck, and I can't remember what we talked about, and I, I can't even remember what I said in response to what she said, but I remember the, the, the sentence she said. She grabs my hand, and she says this. She says, Josh, we shouldn't be friends. And what she didn't mean by that, she wasn't saying we really shouldn't be friends. It was really not a statement. It was a question. Why are we friends? How in this very polarized world right now, can we just admit that our country is extremely polarized over the issues that she and I talk about, disagree about, all of these things, right? Politically, she and I are on different pages. You know, like, there's all these differences she and I have. And she's like, we shouldn't be friends. And yet there's this implicit underlying, and yet we are. How is that? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. See, it's abnormal <laughs> for a straight, middle-aged, white Christian pastor to be close to an older gay woman who practices Reiki. And I don't think that should be. But why is it? We're in this series called Better Off Without Them. And we're landing the plane on this series, it's been, it's been, the conversations have been so good, and it's, it's, it's around this idea, go ahead and put that slide up, Trevor, that, that, that all of us have this tendency to have a them, to have someone where we would say, we would be better off without them. If they would just get their stuff together, quit ruining America, quit ruining my life, if they would stop being so lazy, like, it, the, the them can be anything from people who see di things different politically, to people we see and just judge on the street, to people that we work with that are working and milking the system and wish, we wish they'd stop, 
to corporate, you know, to the big corporations, to the unions, to the one percent, to the the Dems, the Libs, the Republicans, and you know, uh, and, and and students. I mean, you have, there's lots of them's at the high school, right? Like, there's just a lot of of, of chances for us in life to kind of make a us versus them comparison in our language, in our minds, in our hearts. And what we've been exploring in this series is we're actually better off without having a them. Especially as Christians. That it would be better for us, we would be better off personally, we personally would be better off if we would change our attitude towards them. Last week's sermon, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it was really good. I like go back and listen to it if you, if you missed it. Because I talked about the sovereignty of God. And the reason we don't have to have a them is and, and we, the reason we don't have to, because them, the problem with them is, is, is it creates in us all sorts of anxiety, all sorts of worry, all sorts of, you know, like the world can't be right unless they change. And, and, and we talked about last week, is that God's view? It, it's really not. If God is the God of the universe, he's in control, he created them. And yes, maybe even God would join our side and say what they're doing is not good. This is not, this isn't bad. In fact, maybe it's even evil. But we're better off without them because us worrying about them and carrying that burden is something we were never meant to carry. So last week we talked about breaking up with your them. Firing your them. And the funny thing is, that was last week. And then this week I'm putting together the talk Edwin and I have been working on this together for a couple months. And, and this talk, I'm like, all right, so just last week I told them they need to fire their them. You know what this week's about? And marrying that. Yeah, engaging with them. I used engaged. You, Roy said married. I, I, I'm, let's go with engaged. I, I, my goal for today is after, now that you've fired them, I want you to actually take a step towards them. Because it, it's one thing, okay, okay so if, if you're a Christian, it, and here's what I mean by a Christian. If you're a Christian, if you want to be like Christ, you are following Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Or some days, <laughs> you're following Christ with all your heart. Or, or maybe you would really like to follow Christ more with your heart, soul, and strength, which is, which is me. This last week, I was like, why don't I follow you better? Like, that was my prayer like my main prayer time this week was, Josh, why don't you follow him more? It's so much better, you know? Like when you follow him, it's life is so much, why don't you follow him more? So if, like all we call, we call Christianity and spiritual maturity around here, that basically it's defined as this. Do you love God more this year than you did last year? Do you love people more this year than you did Was there somebody who was really hard for you to love last year and it's a little bit easier to love them this year? You're following, that's, that's, that's a Christian. Your, your faith is in Jesus Christ, that he saved you from your sins, and you're becoming like him. That's what we mean by Christianity. That's what Christianity means around here, to be like him. And here's the thing. Here's why we can't just break up with them. Because as we follow Christ, there's, gonna, there's a line of thought that comes along with that. And it goes like this. I wrote it down. Okay, it goes like this. Okay, God so loved the world, which means that God loves me. God loves you. 
And then and, and we, become, we come into contact with that love. We become saved by the grace of Jesus. And then we say, okay, now I want to become more like you. Just everything we just described, right? So that's the line of thought. And then once we start to become more like him, we start to realize not only does he love me, he loves everybody. God so loved the world. Which means he loves them. He loves your them. He loves my them. And if he loves them, and I'm annoyed by them, I'm not like him. You, you see, like this is it's the, today's today's message. What is today's message called? It's called sensing the disconnect. And as we as we become more like Jesus, we start to. And this is sensing the disconnect is something that ha- should happen all the time. As we become more like Jesus, we start sensing the disconnect on the way that we look at our money. Versus the way he looks at our money. We, we put way too much pressure and way too much like faith in our money. And he's like, I don't look at money that way. Money's fleeting. It's gone tomorrow. You're going to get to the end of your life and you'll be like, I don't care about my money. You're not going to be like dying like, what's in my bank account? What's the number? Can I drive that car just one? No, you're like, that is not what we're thinking about because that's not what life's about. So the more you become like Christ, the more you start sensing a dis- disconnect between how you view money and value money and lean on money and how Jesus sees your money. And it, it, could go, it goes in every area of life, including the way we look at them. God loves the world. He loves me. Therefore, he loves them. And if I'm annoyed by them, it means that I'm not like him. And we start to sense this disconnect. And when we sense that disconnect, I think, I think when we sense disconnect in our hearts, and this is so important, guys, because a lot of times when we sense that disconnect in our hearts, we think it's like some sort of, uh, something wrong with us. There's, some, there's something like, like if, if, if I had real faith or if, I, if, if God was with me, this wouldn't be happening. He's like, no, this is exactly where I want you. You're starting to sense these disconnects on your own. You're becoming like me. And now we can work together to change it. We start to sense this disconnect. It's almost like you never had one of those tags on your shirt right here. And you're just like all day, you're just like, I got to do something about that. And you're literally like trying to figure out where you can take your shirt off and, you know, cut that off. That's what it feels like. When we start sensing a disconnect, that's from God. And God's like, let's change that. And so what today is about is changing that. What today is about is taking step towards them. Instead of, yeah, it's it's good for us to, to disconnect from them in the sense that we no longer worry about them. We no longer carry anxiety about them. Like we, we submit that to the sovereign God of the universe. Absolutely. But one of the next steps is, okay, now, but I want to care for them. And, and, and I just need to pause here for a second. If your them is an abusive person that you have purposely gotten away from, your friends and your loved ones have said you need to stay away from them, that's not who I'm talking about. They, Jesus loves them, it's true, but you don't have to have anything to do with them. I, I meant to say this a, a week or two ago, like, this is just... There's healthy, and, there, and, and there's, there's times where you, you just need to stay away, right? 
But what I'm talking about is, is the them at your work that just kind of pisses you off every once in a while. The, the, the them that you're like, what are you thinking? Why do you do these things that you do? I don't understand. And see, as a Christian, the more we become like Christ, the more we interact with people that we don't understand, that should put like a little radar, a little beep, 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 beep in our hearts and our minds. Wait, wait, it's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. There's something that I don't understand. How can I understand that more? How can I understand them more and take a step towards, this is a phrase that I wrote down. I think this is the big idea for today. Let me know if you think it, that you agree. Uh, you know, next one. That's not the big idea. This one. This is the big idea. It's impossible to love someone we don't understand. And so as we become more like Christ and we want to love people, like, since you love them, I want to love them too. But I don't understand, like, what they do makes no sense to me. That's our cue as Christians to get curious. That's our cue as Christians to not be like, whatever, dude. And right, like, like that, that's what's in our heart is just write them off. You know, it takes more faith to be an atheist than da-da-da. And I guarantee the person who said that, myself, when I've said that in the past, I didn't know an atheist. And since then, I've talked with atheists. I've talked with Jake the drummer. I've talked with my good friend that I run with like once a week. And, and, and you talk with him, and, and it's like, if, you, if I said, well, it takes more faith, or, you know, like how, or if I said something like, you know, how do you find meaning in life without God? And that is like the most offensive per to somebody, person who's not a believer in God. They're like, my life is meaningful. You're saying my life is meaningful, not meaningful without God? And we're like, oh, uh, no, I mean, no. You know, but it, it's, if we don't understand something, it's the reason, like, we have two choices. We can either just disconnect, write them off, or we can get curious and seek to understand. And so the application for today, what I want us to do, especially, and, and I would, I would it, whether you're a Christian or not, you're not sure what you believe, or you're like, I'm a Christian, but I don't know if I'm like the same type of Christian as you are, Josh. Like, I don't know if we, put all that aside for a second. I, I, I would encourage all of us, no matter where we're at, to, to change our approach. Everybody just say that. Change my approach. Change my approach. I would encourage us to change our approach when it comes to people we don't understand. And the way that we change our approach is this. We need to be students rather than critics. As we finish up better off without them, the best way that we can do this, the, the, way, the best way we can change our approach when it comes to people we don't understand, them over there, they... All of that is to seek to be students rather than critics. Knowing, knowing, right, that it is way easier to be a critic. It's way easier to just be like, what are they doing? And then bring somebody else into it. Hey, hey, what are, what are they doing? Do you understand it? Because I don't understand it at all. You don't understand it either? They must be weird. And what I'm going to move us towards or push us towards this morning Steps towards people means we become students of what we don't understand, not critics. The reason why I think this is our approach, and the reason why I, I think we can change our approach, 
is because the New Testament followers of Jesus did this. They changed their approach. They, like, like the, uh, the more you study the Old Testament leading into the New Testament, and the, the Jewish people of the New Testament times, they changed so much as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll see that here in a second. They, they changed their approach to, to how they thought about the world, their attitude towards outsiders in the world. They changed immensely. Among those, who, a guy who probably or arguably changed the most was a guy named Saul or a guy named Paul. Depends on what language his, his, um, um, his, his name is in. It's Saul or Paul, but we call him Paul most, most often. Paul was a Pharisee. We talked about Pharisees at length last week, and, and we didn't throw them under the bus. We kind of identified from where they were coming from. But the Pharisees were these people, because of them and because of they, they had a lot of they's. They had a lot of thems. They had a lot of people who needed to shape up. They had a lot of people who needed to change. And they weren't wrong. They needed to change because then God could bless the nation of Israel and they would be out of this mess with Rome. They had all of these reasonings. But because they had a lot of them, we talked about this, they had a lot of fear. They were afraid, if, uh, uh, not necessarily of other people, what they would do to them, but if other people don't comply, then God can't bless us. And, and, be, and with that came all this anxiety, and we talked about this last week, that fear rarely leads to Jesus. Fear rarely leads us to, to, to God, because we're so preoccupied with what's going on. A lot of times, we don't even trust him. Like, God, if you're real, like, I know you share this with me, but you're not getting in. On, you're, you're not getting active like I want you to get active, so therefore, are you real? You know, there's all these things. This is what happens to us. This is why we're better off without them. Paul had a lot of thems, and it's the super cool story. But it, it, he was this Pharisee, he, meaning he towed the line. He was like, he even says in one of his letters to his friends, he's like, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. I mean, like, like there was people who tithe their, their mint and their dill. Their, their, like literally the Pharisees would tithe. Tithing was so important. They didn't just tithe their money. They tithed every single thing, item that they got. They would like take a piece of parsley, take a tenth off of it, and then tithe that. Paul was doing that and tithing that. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was a, a leader. He didn't come on the scene until after the death of Jesus Christ. But he comes on the scene in a mighty way, and he's like, guys, we got to do something about them. And them was the Christians, the followers of Jesus. They didn't call them that at that time. They, they called them the followers of the way. Because Jesus taught so much that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That They, they started calling it tongue-in-cheek, the way. And so Paul's like, we got to do something about the way. we got to do something about them. And he started persecuting them, throwing them in jail, having them killed. That's how, like, that's how far, he was this godly man that, that was, like, looking, like, like, we talked about this last week, it was so, the sad irony with the, the Pharisees is because of their theys, their fears, and all of that, they missed the very thing they were looking for. Jesus had come and gone, and we're not even sure if he paid attention, but he knew he needed to do something about these Christians, and, and on, he was on his way to go to Damascus and, and persecute Christians, and God knocked him off his donkey and said, listen, 
you're dead wrong, Paul. You got this all wrong. Why do you, can, why do you persecute me? And he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Jesus. And you're, you're, things are going to change now. You're going you're to work for me now. And he, 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 he changed his life. And here's the, here's the thing. People can change. The worst, like, like it, literally, we, Paul doesn't come on the scene for like almost 10 years after that Damascus thing. And part of the reason why we think that he has this hiatus is Christians won't go near him. They're like, Paul's like, hey, Peter, can I talk to you? Peter's like, no, 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 no. I, I see this trick. I know what you're trying to do here. I'm going to be, you know, and he, he took off. They kept running away from him. He was that dangerous. And finally, he convinces them, no, this is real. I've met Jesus. And I'm, cha- I've, I'm changing my ways. Can, guys, can I just say something quick? Your favorite stories, your favorite characters, your favorite like people to hear stories about in life, they all have one thing in common. They're willing to change. Have you ever noticed that? Like it's called in, in, in film and in, in, um, in books and stuff, it's called a character arc. It's, it's the storyline of the character. They start out obstinate. They start out jaded. They start out hurt. And in the end, they, they end up healed. They end up open. They end up uh, uh, gracious. And you love those stories because the people change. I think there's a lot of gospel in that very fact that we, that we are, like, literally all of our stories are, have, have, I watched a bad movie last night. It was a Godzilla movie. Don't tell my son. He loved it. And I was literally laying in bed last night, and I'm like, there was no change in the characters. That's why I didn't like the movie. Why is that? Why, why is that written on our hearts? It's because we're meant to change. You are meant to change. God intends for you to change. He wants to change you. Do you believe you can change? Do you believe that your bad attitude towards people can change? Let me tell you, Paul changed. Paul was this staunch, hard line, just stuck in his ways. I am doing what's right, type A, driven personality. Until he became in contact with the the, the living God and changed everything. He went from persecuting Christians, saying, no, this is how you come to God. This is the only way that you come to God. And then we pick up in Acts 17, and this is what I want to read today. I want you guys to see the change in this man. This man is a man who changed his approach when it came to people on the outside. And it's powerful. It is so cool. This is one of my favorite interactions in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 17. Paul's traveling around. And um, he's going from city to city, hoping to, to talk to people, hoping to speak in the synagogues, hoping to, to get an audience so he can tell them about Jesus. Because this, at this time, they've maybe heard about Jesus, but they don't really know about Jesus, kind of like our culture right now. Chapter 17, uh, what did I say, 17? Yeah, 17, verse 16. Is that Paul in Athens? Yeah. Thank you. It says this. While Paul was waiting for them, his friends, in Athens, he was greatly, just pause for a second, stop looking at it. Put that as a blank. He was greatly what? He was greatly what? 
to see that the city was full of idols. If we, if we took that word out and filled the blank, you could be like, mad? Is he deeply mad? Was he deeply, you know, like, like the word, it's the word here. I think it's important, the word here. He's distressed. You know, Paul, Paul, younger Paul would not have been distressed. He would have been angered that there was, it was full of idols to, the, to false gods. But Paul, the Paul who's following Jesus has changed. And he's distressed to see what has happened. He's not saying, oh man, these guys. He's saying, oh no. They follow a bunch of empty idols. They, they, follow, they worship idols that cause them to sacrifice their kids, they, 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 that hurt to hurt themselves, that bring them into these orgies and all of these bad practices that are empty and don't lead to God. They lead away from God. Oh, no. So he, re- so he reasoned with them. He didn't yell at them. He reasoned with them in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happen to be there. He's just pleading with people. Listen, come, come, I have something to tell you. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with them. And this is what these guys do. Maybe you remember reading about this, especially the Stoics. The Stoics are all about wisdom. They're all about, like, the, like, like basically doing away with, like, the flesh and the world things and, like, like, like what's real like, only focus on reality. Pain is not real. Don't, like, once p- something painful happens, just move past it and try to, you know, power through it. And I know some good friends that actually, like, Stoicism is their thing. And they live, like, they have, like, really cool lives. There's some cool things about Stoicism. But it's not necessarily one, a, a, a philosophy that leads to God. It leads to, like, pull up your bootstraps and figure it out. So he's reasoning with people like that. Epicureans and Stoic philosophers, they began to debate. Yeah, what do you think about this? But you say this, but what about that? Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods, meaning we haven't heard about this. This is, they, they lived in a, a very um, polytheistic environment, meaning like there was lots of gods. There's the Greek gods, there's gods that other, other, um, other religions have. But when they say foreign gods, it's like, we haven't heard this. This is new. He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news that, about Jesus and the resurrection. That's what was so important to him. It's like, he rose from the dead. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Herodolus. I never know how to say that word. Where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You're bringing strange ideas here. We would like to know what they mean. And Paul's like, <laughs> awesome. This is the chance that I wanted. Uh, you got it. They gave him the microphone. And Paul said, I'll take that. And guys, I can't explain to you. If you grew up knowing the story of, of Paul and how he's changed from Saul to Paul and all of that, what happens next? It's unbelievable. He doesn't, think, think of this ex-Pharisee, like, like you, you have sinned. You, you, you're, you're chasing the wrong thing. What are you doing? Stop doing that. Which is sometimes, actually Peter preaches that. He preaches that to the Jews. He's like, you know that guy that you crucified? That was God. You need to repent. And they do. And that works. But Paul does something dear. He changes his approach. 
here. Why? Because when you love someone, when you truly love someone, you're willing to change your approach. Parents, parent, parent, people who have raised more than one child, you know, like not, not to adulthood, but have more than one kid, raise your hand. I don't care if your kids are tiny or they're full grown, you all know this. If, if, if one kid is, is struggling, if, if, if your kids are struggling with the same thing, you still don't approach it the same way, do you? If your youngest is struggling with, with, you know, just how to find words for a bully at school, you would, my guess is you will talk to them differently than you'll talk to your oldest who's struggling with a bully at school. Why? A couple reasons. They're different people. They have different, even though they're going through the same thing, they're having diff- they have a different experience, and they're different people. They have different brain chemistry. They have, di- they have a different approach to life. One's an empath. One's not. One wants to slug them. One wants to cry. And you change your approach. Why? Because you love them. And you're not going to be like, well, it worked over here, so I guess I'll do the same thing. Well, it didn't work. I guess there's something wrong with them. No. You would never do that. You're willing to change your approach because you love them. Paul changes his approach. He talks to them way differently than he would a Jewish audience because he was distressed, because the love of Christ was embodied in him, and he's willing to change in order to reach them. Listen to these words. Verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Heropolis and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. Like, hey, I'm, I'm looking around. You guys think about this stuff a lot. Good on you. For as I walk around and look very carefully at your objects of worships, I found an, uh, an altar with this inscription. You know, like, like I found all of these altars of different inscriptions. I even found this one that says, to an unknown God. So in, in this polytheistic, pagan, this would have been a pagan worshiping culture, which means you, you, you worship different gods for different things. If you want something done with fertility, you go over here and worship this God. If you want something done when it comes to your crops, you go and worship this God. If you want, you know, like there, there's Zeus, there's, there's all of the different Greek gods, there's, there's gods everywhere. And these guys are so thoughtful, they have an altar to an unknown God. Now, let me just ask you this, in our current American Christian culture. What would be a Christian's response, the typical Christian in this country's response to something like that? It would not be kind. It'd be like something like, well, they don't even know what they're worshiping. And that's silly. We worship the one true God. And, you know, like they, like and there's all these things that we'd be tempted to fill the blank in. Paul sees it differently because he's a different person because of Jesus Christ. He says, he's like, oh my goodness, these guys are so, they're thinking about this so much. They're so thoughtful. They don't, they want to cover all the bases. And then to the best of their ability, 
They're covering all the bases, even to, to the point of making an altar to an unknown God. Now, is that right? No. Did it do anything? No. It, it, it was probably in vain. And yet, Paul speaks into it, leans into it. He says, I've even seen that you have an altar to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you today. The God who made the world, and he just kind of starts from the beginning. The God who made the world and everything in it. And this is interesting because he's talking singular. Now he's, per, he's, he's putting together a monotheistic argument or a monotheistic worldview. The God, one God, who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of the heavens and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. That was something they would disagree with. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations and they should in, uh, that they should inhabit the whole earth, meaning God had this will for mankind. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this for a reason, so that we would seek him and perhaps even reach out to him and find him. Just even that, those two words, find him him would have felt foreign in the Epicureans and the Stoics' ears. Because these are the people that like to sit around and talk about things and, and, and kind of debate. And is there really an up for a down? Is there really, you know, this, this thing like theology, something as big as, as a god or gods, can we really understand it? There was probably this kind of agnosticism that came in their line of thought of like, can we really understand it? And Paul is saying, no, God did all of this so that we would reach out to him and maybe, even maybe, find him, though he is not far from any one of us. See how encouraging this is? See how inclusive this is? For in him we live and move and have our being. He's quoting something here. As some of your own poets have said. This is brilliant. He's like, yeah, like, like I'm not going to quote to you my poets. You don't know them. So I'll, I'll quote to you yours. I'm changing my approach because of my care for you. As some of your own pro pro poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like silver or gold or stone. It's different. Or images made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, based on what he's done through Jesus Christ, he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world. This, will not, this life will, will not always be here. We will not just be able to live like this in perpetuity. He will come and he will punctuate history. For he has set a, a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising Jesus from 
the dead. I love what happens next. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Oh, you're going to be preaching that. He lost some of them. He came to them. He leaned their way. And he still lost them. That happens. It happens. But then look what happens next. We want to hear you again. They sneered at him. But others, some sneered, but some said, tell me more. We want to hear more on that subject. And at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people actually became followers of Paul and believed. Among them, and this is, this, is, this is Luke is writing the book of Acts. This is his way of saying, like, hey, these are real people. Among them are Dionysus and some of the other members of the hmm. And an, a, woman, a woman named Damaris. Damaris and a number of others. If we want to be a church that has influence, if we want to be people that have impact, we need to change our approach. And guys, can I just say this? You know, I talked about this in, in prep for the, the series. This is more important now more than ever. This issue right now is, I think, what's plaguing the American church almost more than anything. This, this, this polarization, this, this divisive, like, us versus them, it, it's got to stop. And it stops by Christian. Honestly, I wish I could say it's all the other side that's pushing against us. And that's what's making it hard. I think, I think we're the bigger culprits. I, I really do. I think the way that we talk about people outside of the church is terrible most of the time. Like, if we're not careful, our language, and that, that's, that's like my, my application for us, is to change our approach, to become a student rather than a critic. And then my second thing is we, some of us really need to watch our language. We need to watch the way that we talk about outsiders. It's not helpful, and at times it's downright harmful the way we talk about them. Even, even the idea of the lost, the unbeliever. Like, 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 I don't know if you've ever used that word in front of somebody who is the lost and the unbeliever. It doesn't go well. They're like, wait, I don't feel lost. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? It's demeaning. We need to change our language. We need to change our approach. And I think it starts here. And I, honestly, I think this is something our church does well. But it's something I just couldn't take, I couldn't miss the opportunity to really just encourage us towards it. Watch your language. Watch what goes on in your heart as you think about people who you don't understand. And then when you come up against that, don't just shove it back like, oh, that's not me or what was I thinking? No, just own it. And repent of it. Bring it to God and say, God, I am missing something. I want to become like you. And I don't love them like you do. Forgive me. And let God change our hearts. What would it look like if you took a step towards, what, if, what would it look like if you sought to understand somebody you don't understand? Honestly, in my experience, when that happens, people feel loved. They feel loved. It goes, it, it, it's awkward at times, but it's one of those categories where awkward is awesome. 
and yeah, you'll say the wrong thing, but I've, I've found that a lot of people are really actually pretty graceful about Christians saying the wrong thing if it's done out of, you know, out of love and understanding. What do we got to lose? We got a lot to lose. But we, what do we have to gain? Oh my gosh, we have so much to gain when it comes to influence, impact. And, and then really what it comes down to, do we want to be people who, want to, who are willing to change? Change our ways. Change, are we willing to be moms and dads that our kids get to see us change? Like, mom, I thought that that person drove you nuts. And you're like, they used to. And then I got to know them. What if that was our story? What if that's what we were handing to our kids? What, that might, what might that change in the atmosphere and the tenor of this country? What might that change in Christianity? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to stop preaching now. Let's pray. God, forgive us. Our hearts run to the wrong thing a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time when we see something that's threatening to us, something we don't understand, we judge. And Jesus, you told us, like, just not, not to do that. So we're sorry. I pray that this congregation, this group of people, would be soft-hearted towards you, first and foremost, but then soft-hearted towards those who you love, willing to change our approach, willing, the, willing to change the way that we think, act, talk about, and interact with people who are different than us. And Lord, I am so confident that if we do that, my goodness, what you will do through that, I want to see. I want front row seats and popcorn to that. Pray all this in your name. Amen.